because most people tend to skip over the intro anyway, though you really shouldn't, because this is where we tell you about everything we're going to talk about today, let you know about some cool stuff going on from our sponsors and stuff like that. So right out of the gate, though, I just want to say I am alone today. I'm blind in one eye. And so I, I have to run the show completely on my own like this, and if you have any questions or talking points for me, the best thing you can do to get the most likely uh, scenario where I will handle it at the end of the show in a Q&A period, put the word QUESTION in all caps, and then put your question in. Make your question one sentence. If I need clarification, I'll ask for it unless you're gone, and then you can't, and I'll just do my best with it for everybody else. Anyway, what are we going to talk about today? We're going to talk about Oliver Anthony again in a different way. Um When we were watching, my wife and I watched part of the debates, and we watched the beginning where they played... Uh, his a uh, little bit of his song, and then they asked everybody on stage to uh, introduce themselves and say why they thought it was resonating with people. My wife and I just looked at each other and said, "These these dudes have no self awareness." Well, apparently Oliver feels the same way. I got a little short twenty second video from him. I got somebody really mad that I played somebody somebody playing a cover of his song. I think it's going to be okay, but you know we'll talk about a little bit about how sometimes people become unhinged for no real reason uh, and take things personally that just doesn't have anything to do with them. I think there's a lesson in that. Um, and we'll even talk, like, I, I pretty much hate all politicians, but I hate some less than others. I hate DeSantis less than a lot of others because of nothing else but because of the way that he handled COVID with Florida. That That's that's why I hate him less. It doesn't mean I don't hate him. But uh, Ron has an incredible lack of self-awareness, too. Uh, it, it's, it's pretty funny. I, I, Tom, I have not seen Tom saying Oliver did an interview and basically said the same. Yeah, I might the, the little clip I'm going to show you might even be from that interview. I don't know, but it's 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 pretty funny. Um, then Utah has mandated GPS trackers on all electric vehicles. More are coming. Oregon has a voluntary program. Some other places are talking about doing it, but this is something I've been talking about for well over a decade. It's finally starting to fully roll out, and it's going to keep rolling out. And I'll tell you how I think they're going to eventually skin the cat in the end. And it really is about tracking you everywhere you go, every time you go anywhere. Don't ever let anybody convince you otherwise. There's plenty of ways that you could tax people for road use without tracking everything that they do. But that is the plan, and that's what Utah's plan is. They're requiring you to put a GPS uh, toll device in your vehicle uh, if you have an electric vehicle. And of course, I'm going to tell you that I think... We're going to actually, sometime in the next decade, see the end of a gas tax, and this will be how they tax everything, including the gas vehicles that are still on the road. Also, Walking to Freedom is in full effect. Uh, a little article somebody sent me, Billy Joel's Long Island community is becoming a ghost town. Lots of very wealthy people have lived in this part of Long Island for a very long time, not just Billy Joel. And uh, people are fed up, and they're leaving. We're going to talk about the absolute stupidity of releasing Trump's mugshot and the highly predictable blowback. I've got some funny pictures for you if you're on the video and we do that. Uh, I'm not really going into politics here. Uh, I'm just commenting on the obvious, I think, and the way that the public gets manipulated. And sometimes even the people that are the master manipulators kind of screw the pooch for themselves. 
Uh, it was one of the dumbest things. I, I've got a little clip of Nikki Haley snapping out like a freaking deranged Karen on Vivek Ramaswamy. Um, and I won't tell you what the snap out is unless you've seen it somewhere where I've shared it. Uh, but we're going to have a little discussion on what she's snapping out about how ridiculous it is. But the more interesting thing to me is I put that little, this clip's like 15 seconds long. I put it on TikTok. And some of the comments I got about why she's right, and because I don't want to even tell you what it is if you don't know yet, are kind of funny. And, and it leads us to be able to take a critical look at the United States as, and, and the way we behave in the world uh, in a different light. Because I think we need to start doing that because our role of being, you know, basically being the hegemony of the world is shifting rather quickly. And uh, it might take another decade and decade and a half even, but that is that is quick in the world of history. And we're going to deal with it all the way down. We're talking about inflation and how, of course, of people supporting the current administration. And let me tell you, if this was a different administration, we'd be in the same situation. Biden's an idiot, but the situation that we are in economically is so beyond what a president does. Um, so it would be the same thing. But we are not in a position now where it matters that inflation is currently holding, if you believe the official numbers, which, you know, you shouldn't. But if you did at 3%, because the damage is done, the word we're looking for and the word that everybody ignores when we have this discussion is cumulative and how this impacts things like housing, because we're going to talk about that a little bit more, because I believe that one of the best things a person can do for themselves is own property. It is becoming more and more difficult, especially for starter uh, families and starter uh, new first-time homeowners to afford property. But we're going to finish up with a preview of the fall workshop. I've got the menu and the schedule with you know one possible. We're not sure. Everybody's confirmed as speakers except one person. I'll tell you that is when we get to it. But we're going to talk about something we're going to do at the fall workshop that directly addresses this housing concern. And so we have a great show lined up today. Before we get into all that, let's go ahead and hear from our sponsors of the day. Sponsor of the day number one today is the Self-Reliance Festival in Camden, Tennessee. That's put on by John Willis, who's here with us in the comments. I saw him a little bit earlier, and I am wearing one of John's newest T-shirts today. Uh, that's that's the shirt I'm wearing today. So anyway, um, he and Nicole Sauce put this on a couple times a year. There's usually about 500 people there. It's pretty freaking amazing. The festival itself is October 14 and 15. I will be there and I'll be speaking, but I'll also be, you know, if you've ever been to an event with me, I hang out. So I've got my workshop coming up in November. Again, I'll tell you more about it at the end of the show today, but if you can't get down here, uh, it's less expensive to do the one in Camden. Many of y'all are local to the area and maybe a half day's drive. It is a hell of a great time. They also have a ham radio workshop the day prior to it starting and they have uh, two days prior to it starting. And then they have a poultry processing workshop done on the day after the festival itself ends with Joel Salatin teaching that. Then they have VIP tickets where you can be at the VIP uh, dinner uh, invite only with me and some other really cool folks. Uh, you can find links to all of that in the video notes below. And, uh, of course, if you are on the audio, you can look up the show notes for today's show, and those links are there as well. Next up today is BulkAmmo.com, all the ammo you need in bulk, common calibers and some not-so-common calibers, great pricing, lightning-fast shipping. Remember, whenever they start talking about grabbing guns, and they're starting to talk about it again because, gee, somebody shot some people somewhere, so that means all guns have to go. Um, it, it's insane, but you will always see pressure go on ammunition 
and magazines before the guns themselves. And that's because most of those are pretty well armed up, uh, but we can always use some more mags. And the other thing we can always do is use some more ammo because there's been a lot of ammo shortages in the last decade. So definitely stock up on your ammo if you haven't already done so. With that, let's get into uh, what I really want to talk about today. And uh, that's a whole bunch of stuff. But specifically, I want to start out with the absolute ridiculous level of self-awareness in the political class. And again, my wife and I, when we were watching the beginning of the debates, this was exact. We just looked at each other like, are these people this tone deaf to their own reality? So if you haven't heard this yet from Oliver Anthony, who is, of course, the, the gentleman who is the force behind Richmond North of Richmond, uh, just give this a listen. This is great. It was funny seeing my song in the presidential debate because it's like I wrote that song about those people. You know, so for them to have to sit there and listen to that, uh, that cracks me up. But it was funny kind of seeing the response to it. Like that song has nothing to do with Joe Biden. You know, it's a lot bigger than Joe Biden. That song is written about the people on the on that stage and a lot more, too. Not just them, but but definitely them. All right. So. Oh, let's move on. I want to talk about this little thing here. Fox News put this out on uh Instagram yesterday. Fox News had a ton of shit, uh, little little snapshots like this out of the debate. And this is Ron DeSantis. And, and keep in mind what you just heard Oliver say. Uh, Ron's response to when they said, well, what about this? Why do you think it's resonating with people? He said, Richmond north of Richmond have put us in this situation. Ron, dude, he's talking about you. He's talking about all of you. It was... Uh, it was quite, I don't know how to put this, it wasn't so much surprising. It was staggering in its lack of self-awareness. Like, you know that these people are stupid, but the level of lack of self-awareness in the political class is amazing. Now, what I thought was funny is somebody showed up when I posted that little short a couple places. I did it on uh, TikTok. I also did it on uh YouTube and Instagram and a few places. I believe it was YouTube where somebody showed up and they said, but he's from Florida. Okay. He's talking about the, all the politicians, first of all, number one. But number two, DeSantis was a congressman, rich man north of Richmond. He's included. All of them are included. And then somebody also said he needs to be more clear about what he means about Joe Biden, because Joe Biden's a rich man. Yes, he is. And I think Oliver Anthony is assuming that you are intelligent enough to understand the whole thing. It's also like 25 seconds of a, a, a much longer interview. It's amazing how people feel like entitled to have their side explained. This dude is speaking out against the political class. This is not a DNR thing. But this is this is the bigger or more, to me more interesting component to the whole thing here. It is it is not just that it's it's the political class. It is that the political class can't grok somebody not taking one of their sides. And I've told you this for years. And you've you've seen it if you're like me and you don't take a side in this political clown show. And your side is the people first, right? 
And the, the biggest thing we need from government is to be for it to be as small as possible and leave us alone. Then you have experienced that you will say something and you say one thing. You've said one thing and then you get attacked. You get attacked by people from the left calling you a freaking ultra mega conservative or something. And then you get attacked by the right for being a libtard for saying the same thing. And you, you might sit back and go, how does that work? This is how it works. These politicians are a reflection of the population. The majority of the population can't grok this. There's people on the left now going, see, he was talking about Republicans, as though he wasn't also talking about them. He wasn't also talking about them. This is, And, and this is... Part of why we are so screwed. I want you to understand, like, this is why I've stepped away from politics long ago, but, like, I'd say about five or six years ago, like 100%, I will not participate. Because you can't have a democracy, or I know somebody, it's a republic. It is a constitutional republic in the form of a representative democracy. You can't have either when people think this way. And the majority of people do think this way. And if you don't think that way, it may be very hard for you to grok that. But it's even harder for them to grok the fact that you don't. That you don't. He's talking about all of them. And I I, I love when people say something like, there is no us and them. Oh, okay, so all that says to me is you're them. That's all that says to me, you're them. You are a proof point to Bonhoeffer's theory of stupidity. When you have a political class making rules which they do not have to live under, being funded by people who don't live under the rules that they make either, then there is an us in them. And they are all part, and it's just hard for people to grasp, but it's part of your programming. You grew up, you were educated. And in the words of Samuel Clemens, also known as Mark Twain, I was educated once, it took me years to get over it. It is an indoctrination in a programming, and I think Mike says, I thought he was talking about Canadian politicians with a wink smile. Yeah, you know, and he probably is, sort of. Now, I wanted to say something here before I move on and talk about this GPS tracking and stuff, and before I do that, I want to just say thank you to two people here. Uh, John at SOE gave me a $20 super chat. He says, I am, in fact, here, and I am one of us. Nice shirt. I'm wearing the same one right now. Thank you, John, for that. And then, um, I can't even say this name right, Bogan D. Bokivia just gave me a $49.99 super chat with no comment. Thank you, sir. I appreciate uh, both of y'all for that. Uh, Really big, nice nice bonus for the year. Uh, Anyway, one of the people um, that commented on that video, or my video from Thursday last week, where I... I talked about a bunch of stuff, kind of like today's show. I played a cover of Richmond North of Richmond by by an online influencer known as Internet Sophie. And this guy lost his crap. Now, I will tell you, there's someone with, like, rant in your, your YouTube handle. And if you saw, like, a weird notification come through about me responding to your comment, and then you went to look at it and the comment's gone, it's because when I clicked the link to respond to this, it brought up your comment and I responded pretty much with what I'm going to say now. And I didn't mean it to you because you weren't talking about it. So I'm sorry about that. I think this dude deleted his comment after he realized how ridiculous it was, but this is what he said. I enjoy your podcast. This is the first time I ever watched it on YouTube. And I just have one negative comment 
but I am dead serious. You did Oliver Anthony crappy by putting this knockoff copy of his tremendous, quote, cry out to the heavens, unquote, song on here. The boy grew up working in the dirt, knows exactly what he's singing about. These knockoff artists with $5,000 of electronics around her in the booth are simply trying to ride his wave of success. The boy is yelling through the mic, hoping somebody in Washington hears him. Let's stop right there. He's not hoping somebody in Washington hears him. He's hoping you hear it. The rich man, he doesn't care about them. Don't you understand that? But I'll keep going. Hold on. Um, uh, hoping someone hears him from the damn sticks where he wrote this song, a foul move on her part and yours, although I'm sure yours was not ill-intentioned. Yeah, neither was hers. Doing cover music is a statement by a musician that they they love the original version of the song. Now, there is obviously some of that gets done in Hollywood and or Nashville or whatever, and it's it, it's it's fake. But when independent artists do covers, they do covers because they love the person's music that they're doing. And the better the original is, the more balls it takes, okay, to do a cover. Like I had a friend of kind of a friend of a friend that had been here at a few workshops, a musician, really, really talented, and he didn't want to do covers. And I said, you know, with your voice, actually what you could do is a cover EP of Van Morrison songs, all like dedicated to Van Morrison, kind of like a bunch of country artists did with the Eagles uh, years ago. And uh, I said, but before you tell me no, and I'm not saying you should do it, I'm just saying before you, you, you stick with this idea that like covers are not, you know, real music or whatever. Um, how much stones would it take to do an acoustic cover album of Van Morrison's best music? He's like, well, you know, oh, I don't really, really think about it that way. And this dude would have been good at it. But the other side of it would have been, now this is a new song, but most of Van's, Van's music has really been around a long time. If somebody were to do that, it would be a, way that a whole group, a whole generation might rediscover a great artist. I don't have any problem with covers. Now, here's the other thing about this. I don't think, I don't think that Oliver Anthony's upset about this because he ain't said that he's upset about it. There's quite a few covers already, by the way. He ain't upset about it. He ain't said nothing about it. What he's, what he's upset about is the political class trying to use his shit and claim that he's on their side because he's not on, again, it's us and them, and they are them. They are the Richmond North of Richmond. And your congressman from Washington State that's in the state legislature, same. It's just where the most concentration of parasites are is in D.C. And it, it worked well for music. You can't always take music literally. But I went on to, um, he, I went on to his TikTok yesterday to see what he's up to. He has a song out that's not even done yet. It's just like him playing with his guitar and kind of sorting it out. It's about how they called him a one-hit wonder and how much money they offered him and basically how he told them they could all go screw. Um, he's got 4.3 million views. I don't think somebody covering his music's a problem. And the only reason I went this long on this is there's so many people out there that are addicted to being offended, that are addicted to everything's a problem. Everything, and this makes you susceptible to believe bullshit, which will fit well with our next story. So let's move on to it. So I found this this morning. Actually, somebody sent it to me over the weekend, but I think I, I read it in my email this morning. Um, trackers in electric vehicles to tax by the mile. And I pulled up Breitbart, 
not because I particularly like Breitbart, but because they did something that journalists do. When they originally published this, they said this was mandated with GPS tracking of all your motions from Oregon and Utah. And they, they changed the headline and included, not at the bottom, at the top of the page, a correction. And this is why this folds into what we just talked about. Update from the Oregon Department of Transportation. Oregon does not have a mandate to add GPS trackers to every electric vehicle. Oregon's volunteer program does not require GPS or other vehicle location technology. The Origo program has non-GPS enabled device that only captures miles driven and fuel used. Now, that might even be a lie. It may track where you're going. But... When, when, when a news source comes out and then people just start repeating it, repeating it, repeating it without fact checking it, we get into a lot of trouble. Now, the Utah program is mandatory, not in effect yet, will be soon. And basically what Utah is saying is that these vehicles use the same roads, but they're not contributing to the maintenance through uh, attacks on motor vehicle fuels because they don't use any fuel. Now, I don't. I think all tax is theft, but I'm going to come across with this from a standpoint of, for now, this is how we fo- fo- uh, fund the roads, and uh, we're going to. When you guys see the next one I bring up, you're going to see why I was smiling right there. Um, and and, and they I hate saying that anybody that's a politician is right, but they're right. Like if you're driving a Tesla, you're using the road. You're creating wear and tear on the road just like everybody else does. I know it's not that much, but it's the cumulative effect, and you're basically not paying to help maintain the roads. Now, there's ways we could handle this. You know my solution. I'm not going to go into it. But it doesn't mean we need to track everybody. But Utah's going to track everybody. Utah. Isn't it supposed to be one of the most conservative states in the union, and they're going to track everybody? I've talked about this for a long time, and they are going to do it everywhere. It is going to be a thing, okay? And here's how they're going to do it. They're just going to tell the vehicle manufacturers to build it into the vehicles, and they'll let the old vehicles age out, and they'll pass laws that say you have to get one of these things. You're like, I ain't doing it. And when you drive past a cop, it'll give him a boop, like a text message on his little computer that he looks at and stares at while he's supposed to be driving. And it'll say, you don't have one, and he's going to pull you over and cite you for it. That They're going to do this. But if you look at the average age of vehicles on the road, most people, well, not right now, because people are holding on to everything longer right now. But if you can get the economy running back into the consumer mode again, which is going to be a challenge, but they probably will with vehicles, they're just going to say you have to do it. And Transylvania Farmer is saying it's already built. It's probably already built in. It is. It is in most vehicles that have been made in the last 10 years or, or even maybe a little earlier back. So I drive. Well, I don't drive. My wife drives. My wife drives a Toyota Tacoma and it's got an appearance package, but it's basically a good looking base model Toyota pickup. So it doesn't have any fancy options or anything at all, but it has integrated GPS navigation. Like, we generally will use a phone and an app or something. Like, because Waze, like, tells you the cops where they're at and stuff and helps you get around things. But, I mean, without the phone, I can, on that truck, which is not an expensive vehicle for today's market by any stretch. So, the GPS is in there. 
So all they have to do is mandate that the vehicle manufacturers integrate with their systems. And if you already own the vehicle, this is a software integration that they can do that you can't prevent. And again, if you shut it off, then you're going to basically red flag when you go by a state trooper or something, and they're going to pull you over. Uh, Jason says he moved to an e-bike. Well, that's fine for the distances you can travel with it, and I have nothing against it, but this is not a broad-scale solution for the average person. Um, they're going to do this, and it is about tracking everywhere you go all the time, and you're starting to see more of it integrated into modern like crime television shows and stuff like that about how this is so important it can be used to find serial killers and shit like that, as though there's a serial killer in every third vehicle or something. It's nonsense. Um, Zone 6, Eric says, uh, technology is more effective than change. Correctly, it's a technological chain. And KBOX says insurance companies are in on it, too. I don't want to repair. Yeah, the insurance companies are going to start using this to affect your rates because you drive too fast. Um, They're going to, as they fully integrate this, it's not just going to be a mileage tax. It's going to be a tax based on when you drive, where you drive, and how you drive. They'll tax you more if you drive too fast, right? They'll tax you more if you drive during rush hour. Like, all of this is in place already. And you can say that your state is going to be the one that pushes back on it. No, they won't, because they're going to make money on it, too. And with the initiatives in place to try to force as many Americans as possible into electric vehicles... And we already know the grid can't support it, but there's going to be a lot more electric vehicles on the road, a lot more in the next five years. The technology itself is getting to the point where a lot of the things, and you guys have to stop this shit. Well, if you want to drive more than 90 miles, you need to look at what a freaking Tesla, little the inexpensive Tesla sedans do today for distance. You're being nonsensical when you say that. These vehicles have very good ranges for what most people do. Now, if you're driving a thousand miles a day or something, that's, you know, or even 500, I guess you might be pushing it. But for the average person, even a couple hundred mile drive, it's not even a problem anymore. So between consumer demand and government mandates, et cetera, you're going to have more and more electric vehicles, a lot more, a lot more. Even if we get to a point where it's like 10, 15, 20 percent and say 80 percent are still gas for another 10, 15 years, that's a huge hit to state revenue. Now, to me, it's big freaking wham, but you know the government doesn't look at it that way. Government is upgrade, and upgrade going to get his money. And if they can get the ability to track you and to penalize you with automation, and think of what happens when you tie this into AI, and you say, hey, AI thing, tell me all the people that I need to particularly focus on to make sure that we don't miss the ability to penalize them. It's kind of scary, isn't it? And if you're an insurance company, right, the insurance companies are going to want to know your VIN. Your VIN is going to be tied to your tracking. Your tracking is going to be your insurance companies to say, we need it. And you'll be a few advocates in the government that aren't retarded or at least fully retarded. And they'll say something like, well, why do you need it? And they'll say, because we have, on an ongoing basis, a huge expense due to conflict between the stories of the two parties or multiple parties involved in an accident. If one says the other party was speeding and the one that was accused of speeding says they weren't, 
Well, we would know exactly what the speed of both vehicle was if we had access to it. And, you know, if the other insurance company has their drivers, we can, and they're different companies, we can, they will make a very, you know, in the mind of a politician or the average idiot, a very good case for why. Well, now your insurance company is going to start rating you up because you drive too fast, you drive more than you said you did, et cetera. And this type of surveillance is going to go on all things, health insurance, everything else. We don't have time for that tonight. All right. So now <laughs> this is this is one of the funniest things I've seen come out of this so far. And I, I just hate to say it. If you are not in the, the video of this, you're going to miss out on this one. This is this is the funniest thing I've seen come out of a presidential uh, election in my lifetime. For those that aren't seeing this. It is a picture of Donald Trump from his now infamous, infamous mugshot, colorized fully. So you got the blue suit and the red tie with corn rolls in his hair, like good old fashioned gangster corn rolls. And, and the caption is reelect corn pop. Pretty much everywhere I posted it, some of the comments were things like he's a bad dude or whatever. Um, this is how the orange man's base is going to respond to this, okay? You have, in the words of Obi-Wan Kenobi, struck him down and made him more powerful than you can imagine. If there was any doubt in any way, shape, or form that Donald Trump was not going to be the nominate nominee for the Republican Party, it is now gone and over. And this thing going on in Georgia those that are new to me might think, he's right wing. Look at the flag behind him. That means you don't understand the flag. Um, but I have not been a fan of this guy from the very beginning. I think I remember saying, leading up to the 2016 election, if you put me in a voting booth with a gun to my head and said, pick between Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump, I might just have to let you shoot me. Right? So this is not me propping the orange man up. This is me telling you how stupid the left is and how one-sided this justice system has become. This is disgusting, right? You can, because supposedly what they're prosecuting him for in Georgia is objecting to the results of the election. Well, we can go all the way back to at least the, the Bush-Gore election and put a 100 Democrats in prison then, and we're not going to. But they don't understand this at all, and they don't understand what they just unleashed. I think they're starting to, because even CNN is talking about it now. Since this mugshot was released... The Trump campaign raised $7.1 million primarily by using it, including selling merchandise with this picture, the, the, uh, the infamous mugshot, not the one with the corn rolls, but the infamous mugshot. Um, and here's, you know, an earlier article where they're celebrating it. Now, I'm going to tell you something. The orange man is what he is. This dude rehearsed this pose in that picture. They knew it. They were like, okay, we're going to get the most. If they're going to take my mug shot, we're going to get the most out of it. And the look here is beautiful. And the builder of castles says, the only reason to vote for Trump is because he makes the MSM so upset. And when they're upset, they make mistakes. I kind of agree. I kind of like to see him win, but the mess it's going to create, there's a good chance he might be sitting in a cell on the day he wins the election if he wins the election. There's also a good chance that they will, you know, make sure he doesn't win. I'll just leave it that way so I don't get my video taken down and get P 
PP slap by YouTube again. There's definitely a possibility of that. But this again, I'm back to the tone deaf nature of what's going on here. You already had three indictments on this guy. You'd done as much damage as you could possibly do with like independent voters and whatnot. It, you could do a hundred more indictments. You the only thing you will do now is bring more support to his side. That's all you will do. But I'll tell you, maybe they're not as stupid as you might think they are. The charge in Georgia is a state charge. Now, the big discussion is if the orange man gets elected and he's convicted in any of these cases, can he pardon himself? Well, the other three charges, the other three indictments, I should say, there's multiple charges on each indictment, are all federal. The president of the United States can pardon anybody from any federal charge that he wants to, and that includes himself. It may have never been tested, but it doesn't say he can't pardon himself. It doesn't say that. If it doesn't say a thing, it doesn't say a thing. All right? So it doesn't say that. So um, somebody's losing their mind here. I'll fix it for you, dude. Here. Goodbye. <laughs> that ended that. Anyway, somebody was very upset that we were even having this discussion. Okay. You don't have to be part of it. Anyway, um, the Georgia charge is a state-level charge. Do you know what the president can do as to pardoning somebody at the state level? Absolutely nothing. I think a lot of people don't know that. I think a lot of people think if the president does a pardon or grants clem clemency, that no matter what you've done, that that gets you out of jail. Well, it does if it's a federal crime. If they were able to obtain a conviction... In the state of Georgia, the orange man can't pardon himself. And if somebody else won from the Republican side and like Vivek says, if he wins, which ain't going to happen, I'll say a little bit about that in a second, um, that he would pardon Trump. Well, he wouldn't be able to do it either. He wouldn't be able to do it either. If, if DeSantis makes a comeback and he's like, like, if he said, you know, this is ridiculous, he wouldn't be able to do it either. So that might be part of the plan here. Now, I do think that the, the, uh, the case is so weak in Georgia that if they get a conviction, and they might because, you know, getting a conviction of a ham sandwich is, is doable in, in certain jurisdictions, um, it won't survive appeal, but that'll be a mess. So can you imagine having a president under complete 24-7, 365 Secret Service protection in a prison cell governing the country? Because that could happen. And you know we're living in some screwed up times. And then, of course, the Congress will say they have to impeach him. That'd be interesting. And there's the one way Vivek could become president. And I just don't think it's going to happen. If, the, if Donald Trump picked him as his VP and they managed to not just convict but actually uh, ex, uh, remove from office Trump, then Vivek would become Trump mini, mini Trump, right? Um, that's about the only way it happens. So real quick before I move on from there, um, here's my, my stance on the Vic. I'm getting people that are really upset that I have anything nice to say about Vic. I have nice things to say about just about everybody. Okay, not Joe Biden, I, I admit it, because the guy's such an asshole, um, and I think he's actually suffering from dementia now, but he's been an asshole his whole life. So I got, I got nothing for him. Uh, and a few other people I feel that way. But most politicians, even ones I vehemently dis disagree with, there are some things they say that I agree with what they're saying. Now, whether they'll do it or not is different. When I have a politician, and I just recently did a show called What Would a Duck Farming Hippie Do as President? 
And there's a politician out there that's about 95% matching his platform to what I said in that episode. I'm going to I'm going to acknowledge it. And the fact that he has no chance of winning to me makes him harmless to our movement. Because all that can do is stimulate the kinds of conversations in many different ways that we're having today, not just places like this where we have them all the time, but in other places where these conversations, these subjects don't come up. And we'll get to one in just a minute after the next one. That's exactly what I'm talking about. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Before we do that, though, long ago, I initiated a movement and a lot of people did participate in it. The forum itself didn't really take off, but I know a lot of people started using the term we called it walking the freedom. And the concept of walking the freedom was if you are in a state that does not value you and over oppresses your liberties and overtaxes you and treats you poorly and lets almost people shit on your front porch and won't let you do anything about it, then maybe you should leave. You should walk to freedom. I was a big supporter of the Free State Project. I still love what they do, but I think it's stalled, and I don't think it's really going anywhere, and that's sad. I think it took them too long to get to the number, and there was a lot of people that pledged in the beginning and said, yeah, when we hit the number, we'll – because that's what Free State was. You could go right away, or you could pledge that when 20,000 people signed up, you'd go. Well, it took over 10 years, and in 10 years, people's lives are totally different. Like, I'm not, I'm not showing up now. Um, and I kind of saw that weakness back when I started walking to freedom. I said, you know, you don't need to go to New Hampshire. All you need to do is leave the shitty states, New York, Illinois, California, a lot of shit Colorado's doing makes them part of that list too, um, Oregon, Washington, et cetera. Like, leave these shitty states. Like, as bad as Pennsylvania is, and it's bad, it's better than New Jersey, and it's better than New York, and the Delaware River is not the Berlin Wall. Like, you can do this if you want to. Well, I think I was ahead of the curve on this, like a lot of things, because there was only so much momentum behind that at the time. And we even had it set up where people, like, when they left, were writing letters to their representatives in their states, and we're leaving, and this is why. Well, COVID, I always said, what about COVID? It's killing the dying, and I don't mean people. And so when I said that, I was talking about businesses. There were a lot of businesses, and I hate what happened to small businesses. Don't understand this the wrong way. But there were a lot of businesses here that didn't survive COVID that it did not surprise me they didn't survive COVID. Because when I would go by and and go into their business or if I just look at it, they had so little business that I couldn't understand how they were in business prior to it. So I knew there was no way they would get through it. But the other thing that's dying is a lot of these states. And again, I talked about it in immigration. We have a thing called brain drain. And that's where like in these places where people really are refugees, the people that go first before the refugee crisis occurs, the people that see it coming and are like, you know what, we're getting the hell out of here. And they use their upward mobility to get themselves out of one country and into another host country that they can stay in and be productive in. The most upwardly mobile, smartest, most adaptable people are the ones that leave in spite of the class warfare they do against people like that. So if you look at that, that would be an example from history and a name almost every human being knows would be Albert Einstein, who bailed the hell out of Germany because he could be smart enough to think ahead. Dude that can predict the speed of light and shit can figure out when a country's going to hell. 
Will those people leave? Well, in the United States, as a republic, which we still are to some degree with some state autonomy, this is multiplied. In fact, it was designed that way in the first place. That people can go, you know what, I've had enough of this shit. And without getting immigration paperwork taken care of or anything, they pretty much rent a U-Haul and move and change their life by changing the borders that they exist within. Well, Billy Joel... His, uh, I think it's called Mid Island or Center Island or something like that. Very, very affluent part of Long Island. And what affluent in New York means? Very high property taxes. And if you have very high property taxes and very expensive property and you live in New York, you also have very high income. And then you have not just that property tax ridiculously, but the income tax ridiculously. Well, the place that Billy Joe called home is becoming a ghost town. Like, I'll let you read the article for yourself if you want. There's a link in the video notes below if you're watching the video. Take you over to the audio side. And there's a, there's links. All these things I'm showing, there's links that will be over there. If you go there right now while we're live, it won't work because we're not done yet. I always have to say that. Um, but, you know, talking about, like, driving through this place, there's a thriving community in the northeastern United States, heavy population, and feeling like you're in the middle of nowhere. Like, stores closed, everything's gone. This is going to keep happening. This is going to keep happening. And people always start their shit. Well, they're going to come down there and mess your state up. You know what's messing my state up? Dallas, Austin, Houston, and San Antonio are messing up my state. Cities are liberal factories, and the education system is such schools have become industrialized liberal factories. All right? That's, that's, that's what's going on here. Uh, and mo most of the people that do come here from other places. Now, some people get transferred and shit. But most of the people that really get fed up with their state and leave, they actually add to the state that they go to, just like those refugees. Now, let's move on from there. I want to talk about this. This is an exchange between Ramaswamy and Nikki Haley. And I'll probably play this twice because if you're on the audio, it may be a little hard to understand because they're shouting at each other. All of the donor class in the audience are, are, are trying to talk over Ramaswamy. They don't want him heard. But for those that are watching the video right now, watch the way she's acting. She's gone to unhinged Karen mode because he there said something that indicated that maybe we should not constantly be propping up Israel, or more accurately, that we don't need Israel. Israel needs the United States. And listen to what Nikki Haley has to say in response to this. I want to learn from those and apply those to protect it's our not homeland, that Nikki. Israel that needs is America. America needs on. Israel. Okay. I want to learn from those and apply those to protect it's our not homeland, that Nikki. Israel that needs is the America. America needs on. Israel. Okay. If you'd seen like the whole thing, she goes completely unhinged and loses her shit. But I thought this one would this this clip is the most important one to discuss about that exchange. So for those that maybe didn't hear exactly what she was saying, she said, and I am quoting, Israel doesn't need America. America needs Israel. Now, one thing you need to know before I continue with this discussion, Nikki Haley is a warmonger. Nikki Haley, Haley uh, was a member of the board of directors for Boeing, major defense contractor, okay? 
This woman is a warmonger. Just because you're a woman doesn't mean you're not a warmonger. Just ask Hillary, right? I said Hillary, in case you didn't hear me correctly there. Why does the United States need Israel? I, had, I put that on TikTok. I had quite a few people telling me how stupid I was, and, and I didn't even talk. I just played that, that. What I played for you is what I put there, but I put in the in the thing that, you know, no, we don't. Well, here was, here was some of the reasons that we need Israel. We need Israel because we need a base, military base, in the Middle East. So I listed like five Middle Eastern countries that we have multiple bases in. And they said, well, you know, it's Israel being on the Mediterranean that matters. And I'm like, oh, like these countries? So I listed like five other countries right there in the Middle East and in like, you know, Greece and what have you. We have multiple military bases in. Then I got, well, we can't put all our, all, all our eggs in one basket. This is how the feeble mind of these people works, right? And I'm like, okay, let's just talk about all our eggs in one basket then. And this is, this is where I want you to start thinking about how you would feel about the United States if you lived anywhere but in the United States. The United States of America has military bases in 25% of the countries in the world. 25% of the countries in the world have at least one military base in them. Now, as far as needing military bases in Israel, do you know how many military bases there are in Israel? One. Let me say it again. One. One. Do you know when it was set up? 2017. And it's not very big. So how do we, if we need Israel for military bases, how did we survive? as a nation all the way up to 2017. Now, here's the thing. I am not like, let's get rid of Israel. But I'm also a realist. Well, let's have this discussion. Let's imagine that tomorrow morning, it wasn't invaded or anything. Israel just disappeared. It just disintegrated. It was never there. There's a hole. There's a, it, it's now part of the ocean. It's not even there for anybody to fight over anymore. Would it be good, bad? It Certainly, I think it would be bad overall, Right? But I don't think it would really affect the United States very much at all. The whole point of our of our being involved there is our ability to continuously generate more conflict. If you lived, let's say, in a peaceful country, not directly involved in any of this shit, but enough that you could be objective, let's say you lived in Peru, right? You, you were born in Peru. You grew up in Peru. Try to take yourself out of the programming that's been put into your brain since you were itty-bitty and barely done pooping your pants and they sent you off to kindergarten, right? All the way up till now, right? Erica, right? Take yourself out of that. For just five minutes, you're allowed to go right back in your shell if that's where you want to live. You want to be a hermit crab, live in your shell, your USA shell, go back in your USA shell. And I'm not putting my country down. I'm putting the actions of the people that run my country down. There is a difference. Okay? Real patriots are the first, not the last, to criticize their governments. Okay? And for those of you who don't understand that, I took an oath when I was 17 fucking years old to uphold and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, both foreign and domestic. Okay? And when we have people with power abusing their power that they were elected into office for, that is a domestic enemy of the people. So you can just go screw it. So now back to my mental experiment. You live in Peru. You live in Bolivia. 
you're not really involved day to day with American politics, but you're objection. You're an objectionist on the, on the thing. You, and you're curious. So you want to know. And you realize that America has military bases in 25 percent of the countries in the world. That America loses its shit when anybody builds a military base near them or one of their allies. But all the countries they they lose their shit about, they have bases literally surrounding these countries. Wouldn't you think, wait a minute, pot, kettle, line one, you're both black. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you, even if you agreed that some of these other nations were adversarial and had bad actors running them, wouldn't you say you don't have a lot of ground to stand on here? Really? Don't you have? Yeah, and, and this is interesting to me, too. Reginald Roberts, right? Um, Israel and the Iron Dome program is all the proof you need to see who needs who. Yeah, they don't have an Iron Dome program, do they? So this is my thing. This is not about Middle Eastern politics. This is about the ridiculous level that a politician will go to when their bread and butter from their super PACs are attacked. All right? And this is what happened here. Before this exchange, Vivek said something that really set off uh, Krispy Kreme Christie. Like, it set everybody off. All the donors in the audience started booing and shit. He said, I am the only one on this stage not bought and paid for. Now, you can believe whatever you want about Vivek. And I'm sure he's got some donors that he has some ties to. But he doesn't have any giant super PACs like the rest of these people do. And Christie lost his shit. Hey, wait a minute, wait a minute. Listen, Lardass, the only reason you're on this stage is to be disruptive and part of the clown show. Nobody... Nobody, including you, in the middle of a wet dream. That's disgusting. Sorry for that visual. But no one, including you, believes that you're ever going to be president of the United States. This dude, let, he, he keeps touting his, his resume. I was the Republican governor of New Jersey. I got things done no Democrat could do. Blah, blah, blah. I cut this. I cut. You left office, fat ass, with an 8% approval rating. Look it up if you doubt me. A dude that leaves his governorship with an 8% approval rating is not going to be president. Okay? You're not. You're not. You can say what you want about Bill Clinton, but he was a popular governor in Arkansas. A lot of people hated him, but he didn't have an 8% approval rating when he left. That's not a pathway to presidency. But he was really offended. You know when people get the most offended? When you give them an insult based on facts. Does anybody here in my live chat right now most 300 people. That's cool. Um, does anybody in my live chat right now believe that politicians aren't bought and paid for, especially politicians that are on a debate stage at the presidential level? So if you go listen to when that was said and you listen to the way everybody responded, and then this is the other thing. You get these, there was two weird things going on with the audience. One, there was a section of this audience. I have to believe it was a setup. I have to believe it. Think back to when you were in high school and you had a pep rally or something. And like they brought some like real popular guy out for the football team or whatever. And it was like this squealing, cheering from young girls. You know what I'm talking about. You've heard it. Right. You know, you know exactly what I mean. There was a segment and it sounded like they were all in one place cheering or booing. That was they sounded like 18 year old, 16 year old, 15 year old girls. And then there was the regular th rumbling. But all of those people are the donor class, their surrogates, and their guests. That's how they run all this shit, right? That's how they run all this shit.
So the fact that they even got angry when that was said says a lot. Says a ton. Uh, Jeff says the audience is all donors, not the actual voting population. Absolutely. If you doubt me, go to the next one. See if you can get in. Phone somebody that runs the damn thing up and tell them you got 500 bucks to buy a ticket. You're not getting in. You know who couldn't get in? Donald Trump freaking Jr. couldn't get in. I'm not going to go into that. But there was a large number of big name people who were denied entry because they didn't want them watching it and then going out and telling everybody what actually happened. You don't need anybody to tell you what happened. If you really care, watch the beginning. Watch the first 15 minutes of that debate. It's, it's on recordings everywhere, and you'll see everything I'm talking about here. Now, let's move on to something totally different here. There's a lot being made about the economy is actually pretty good under Bidenomics. You know, sure, inflation was 8.5% over a year ago, but now it's only 3%. This is the longest we've ever gone consecutively with unemployment 4% lower, right? It's actually really good. You know, anybody that's living in the real world knows the bullshit they're hearing when they hear that, that the, econ the economy is not good. The stock market's doing well, as though the average person really gauges their life based on the stock market. <laughs> it, it's pathetic. The, the average 25-year-old right now is looking at this and going, I will never be able to afford a home before I die. I'll never own a home of my own. Right now, mortgage rates are the highest point they've been in 23 years. 23 years. So it's not like it never happened before, but this is not good for anybody. And the Fed has basically signaled until we feel that we have gotten what we're, they say inflation under control. What they really mean is until we get a recession, we won't stop raising rates. And if you want to know how hot they might be thinking, well, they can't just keep going up, can they? In the 19, early 1980s, late 1970s, mortgage interest rates hit around 18%. 18%. We got a long way to go to 18%. We're like seven something right now. Um, but we're in a unique position with the housing market. I've talked about this before, but it bears repeating. The ridiculous QE for over a decade. Vastly inflated real estate prices. I bought my house 10 years ago. Let me describe my house. Now, it needed some work and all, but some of y'all been here. You know what I'm talking about. I have three acres. It is completely perimeter fenced with chain link. It is cross fenced one acre and two acres. I have two outbuildings. One is 800 square feet. One is 1,600 square feet or 1,500, one or the other. I think it's 1,500 square feet. These are metal heavy gauge, metal framed, insulated with skylights. And the one has three bay doors, uh, concrete foundation. Ten years ago, I bought this property. House, 2,500 square feet, five bedrooms. You know what I paid for it? $205,000. Rural fringe, basic urban rural fringe, Texas. And when I bought this house, there were plenty in that kind of class of price. Ten years later, if I want to right now, um, I can't remember what the company, there's a company that basically evaluates your house and they just say, without even looking at it, we'll pay you this much minimum, $480,000 I can get for my house. 480 grand without an, like, we'll just get, get out and we'll give you a check. Now, the thing is, what can I do with that $480,000 check? 
unless I make a major geographic arbitrage move, all I can do is buy a house like the one that I have and end up with a higher payment. That's all I can do with it. I take a big chunk of cash out, but I got to put it all back in and I end up right back where I started. So there's no incentive for me to do it. And that is because of this quantitative easing, which I talked about. And remember, for those that are long-term listeners, I talked about a concept called downward class migration. I still think I'm the only one to use the term exactly that way, downward class migration, meaning nothing in your life went wrong, but your quality of living has slipped a whole class. So you went from upper middle class to middle class, or you went from middle class to lower middle class or lower middle class to the top of the poverty level. I've watched this happen to my son and my daughter-in-law. It's, there is a certain level where if you got in the game early enough and you've done the right things up to now, you're pretty insulated from this, even though, you know, I notice what we're paying when we go to the grocery store or whatever, but I won't pretend to be like Bill Clinton when he was lying. He said, I feel your pain, right? I understand your pain, but I don't feel it because I built my life under the lifestyle design principles I've been teaching here for 15 years. And I said, this is, you should do what I'm doing. And I'm doing what I say you should do because I'm consistent in my teaching. And that's why I'm insulated from this. My son, you know, wonderful kid, love him, but doesn't necessarily listen to his dad a hundred percent. And they just lost a vehicle in an accident. Insurance company gave him $5,000. See, in their situation, I gave him some more. I won't say how much. I'm just going to say he was able to walk in with a really big down payment to buy a car that's a few years old. We still ended up. We still ended up having to co-sign to get them a loan. Now, two years ago, they could have walked in. So we want a car in this range. Here's two grand down. And walked out with any car on the lot, no problem. Same jobs. more They have the same jobs as back then, so more time in their jobs. They both are long-term at their jobs. They both have decent credit. They both make a decent income. We'll call them wealthy, but a decent income. Nothing's changed. That's the hell they went through to buy a car that they had to have, because when you work, you need a vehicle. That is a microcosm of housing. And this is happening everywhere. And the reason is all the effects are cumulative. When they say, when they see this is the thing that government has been doing forever and people are stupid and they believe it. When they say they cut spending, they didn't cut spending. What they mean is this particular area, this particular niche, we were going to grow by 20% under the original plan. We're going to only grow by 15%. We've cut spending. No, you've increased it by 15%, and they do it with everything. So when they say, well, inflation is down, and I've even heard some of them say some stupid shit like this. It was 85 and now it's 3 It's down 5.5%. No, it's not. The year at 85 stuck. It's cumulative. You just added another 3 onto the 8. That's 115 plus the compounding effects, about 12% over two years. And it's never going away without a crash, which is exactly what the Fed is trying to do. They created the giant monstrosity, and now they want to eviscerate people's livelihoods by causing it to crash. 
They're playing God. Don't you understand that? This is playing God. You're taking the market, which is really good at regulating itself if you'll stop touching it. And they're artificially inflating and contracting the market with a fiat monetary system, which is your real problem. The politicians are a symptom. You make the people, you know, I, I, I can't find it right now for you, but I posted a meme this weekend. And it's a dude in a prison cell. And he's got a stick. And there's a piece of bread just out of his reach. And the keys to the cell are right next to the bread. And he's dragging the bread to himself in his cell instead of the keys. And that's because when you make people worry about their very existence, they cease worrying about their, their true quality of life and their freedom. It's like a backward breads and circuses, right? Like you, you don't even have the bread and the circus is stupid and full of clowns. But then all that person can focus on is their bread. You want to stop parents from showing up at school board meetings and shutting down woke nonsense? Make that guy feel like I, I, I can, and that, that mother just feel like I can barely keep my head above water. I don't have it in me. That's what they're doing. And somebody here is saying, American Legends, so you say they do know full well and it's malicious. Absolutely, they know what they're doing. And when I say they, again, I'm, I'm not even talking about the politicians at this point. The politicians are the means by which you will have the illusion created of choice. That's why Oliver Anthony's song is about all of them. Because they could, you want a revolution? Your politicians could rebel. They could, no matter how they got where they're at. Now, if one rebels, they usually figure out a way for them to have an accident or be assassinated by a crazy person. But if more than half of them rebelled, the country could be not fixed, but made better. But it's not going to happen because they know where their bread is buttered. They are traitors to you and your nation, but they're not the source of the evil. They're not the source of the evil. The bankers and the elite class, when I say elite, I don't mean that they're better than you. I mean that they control the money and the industry. You live in an oligarchy. When people, it's a republic. Well, an oligarchy is a kind of republic, right? It is a kind of republic. That's where we live now. What I want to say here at the end is, I don't know how many more shows I'm going to do like this going forward. I was watching a few of my old shows that were on homesteading, permaculture, etc. And I think I really want to go back to doing the majority of them that way. I've been doing these because so much is going crazy, and I get so much request for this content. But I've given it to you for a couple months now, at least once a week, if not twice. So I think Thursday this week, I'm going to do a show talking about ways to make your money go further, including things like cutting your own meat and stuff like that. I've got some great interviews this week coming up. Tomorrow we're going to have uh, Evan Dixon on to talk about using radio communications without going all the way to being a ham. And I think that is going to be a critical link maybe going forward because we need ways to communicate with each other. Then I'm going to have Miles LaGrose on Wednesday. And we are sort of going to be in this area because Miles LaGrose was a journalist for the Army embedded in combat zones for years and told repeatedly, well, you, you, you can't tell people what is actually happening. You have to 
take what actually happened and put it through our filter and tell them what we want you to say. Well, he's not there anymore, so now he has freedom, and he made a book deal with Simon & Schuster, and he's going to tell you about his book and about his documentary and about what actually happens in these theaters of operation that you never get the truth about. So we'll have him on, and then we'll have our show. But I want you to really consider, especially if you're someone who's never done it before, coming to my workshop in November. The dates are November 1 through 5. More information will come out this week, blog post, etc., It will go on sale probably about the second week-ish, maybe second weekend or third weekend of September. I haven't decided yet. i got to get everything ready to go. and But there will be plenty of advance notice. And if you've never been and you think I'm just doing – this is just marketing, in the words of Paul Wheaton. It's not. My workshops sell out in usually five to ten minutes. Last year, I think, because I made a mistake, it took like 30 um, but if you sleep in on sign-up day, you will not get to come. Inflation is a thing. Last year was the first time I raised my price for my workshops, which I think I keep doing more and more for people in since they started. It was the first time I raised my price. I went from 500 to 550 I'm running all the numbers in Excel right now. I'm going to try to keep that price. There's a chance you could go to 600 I don't think it will. I think I'm going to be able to make it work. I do have to make some money on them. You know, it's basically my home being invaded for a week. There's a lot of prep work that goes into it, et cetera. We don't make something, then, you know, if the wife ain't happy, ain't nobody happy type of thing. But we do it more for the camaraderie. And I want to just give you the schedule. And, again, there's one, Ken Berry is seeing if he can come. So Ken may or may not be here. Uh, if he can't, I, I'll tell you, it would be no problem to put a really high-quality instructor in his place. But here's my schedule for right now. We have three hands-on workshops, one each day for two and a half hours in the morning. Day one, we are doing a winter garden prep hands-on workshop. We'll be composting my gardens, adding a winter cover crop, mulching, going over the irrigation system, all of that. Then we have lunch. After lunch, we have Sean Mills doing a presentation on low-cost off-grid homesteads, building a place to live that's off-grid that provides everything you need for as little money as possible. Keep that in mind. That's a primer because something's happening the second day. Then session two, Joel Riles from Fortress Canine will be on to talk about building businesses. And this will be again here at the workshop. Uh, in fact, starting with less than nothing, Joel was recently on told his story. You know, it's one thing to say, I don't have anything. How about being negative and still building a great business in a year or two? That's what Joel did. He's going to talk about how to do that. And then John Pagliano will be on to talk about the economy and money and investing. So that's day one. Um, I'll talk about the meals here in a second. Friday, we're doing a composting workshop first thing in the morning after breakfast. We'll be going over my Johnson Sioux-ish composting, incorporating biochar into it, the full system on that backside of my property that integrates with the ducks, the the ponds that feed the ducks, and, and all of it. Then lunch. Then Sean will be back up on stage. He'll be leading an open discussion with the audience about, like, now that I've told you, my, what are your ideas? And it's going to be like a working session. Then Professor C.J. Kilmer will be talking about historical examples of when being prepared or having to bug, at, bug out uh, occurred in history. C.J.'s first time here, first time speaker Huge guy to listen to and learn from, and a guy you get to hang out with. Assuming he says he can come, Ken Berry then will be on 
and then we will have a panel discussion with all the instructors available for it, led by myself and Nicole Sauce. We're going to do it a little bit different this year. I won't explain exactly how. Then Saturday after breakfast, we have a biochar production and prep hands-on workshop. We're actually going to do a burn. We're going to show you how to inoculate, how to crush biochar, all of that good stuff. Then we have lunch. Session one is Nick Ferguson. He's going to be talking about fodder tree systems at a complete other level than you've ever heard it from them before and integrating into all the things we're teaching. Then we're going to have Matt Powers talk about soil and building soil. And Matt is amazing. And then three session three for that day, we have Stephen Reisner on natural farming. Stephen is from potent ponics. The guy is a savant. He is absolutely amazing. Matt Powers is doing work on soils that PhD have PhDs haven't gotten to yet. I don't know where you can come hang out and only have 50 students for that many days with people of that caliber. Now, as far as meals, because I think it's a big part of it, first day breakfast is like continental breakfast. It's like bars, fruit, some other stuff put out. Basically, if you don't want that, see to your own thing. And I'm telling you right now, keto is out the window. This is a three-day party. All right? So there's some carbs in here. But if you want to stay keto, you will be able to. Okay? Okay, so lunch... We're doing, I mean, big, old, thick, beautiful center-cut pork chops with stuffing, since we're getting close to uh, turkey day then, along with some salad. Then dinner is going to be rotisserie chicken, roasted potatoes, corn, some other sides. We start out lower level. We build through this. Friday will be breakfast tacos, all the fixings, bacon and eggs. Then we'll have a burger bar, build-your-own burger bar, kind of like Ruckers used to be before they sucked. Um... And then we're going to have, we, we cater Uncle Julio's. This is a fantastic restaurant. They bring out a giant pit. They cook right on site, chicken and steak fajitas. Saturday morning, breakfast is biscuits and homemade sausage and gravy. My sausage that I hand make with the gravy and the biscuits. And I told Ken Berry, he can't guilt anybody. He has to keep his meat hole shut for this. This is a party. Uh, then we're going to have chicken tamales, my homemade chili, and jalapeno, my homemade, and, and Dorothy's homemade jalapeno cornbread for lunch. Then the big dinner is Saturday night, okay? We will have elk and beehive cheddar sausage from Tim Love's uh, establishment. Um, And then we will also have, from the same place, rabbit and rattlesnake sausage. Barbecue pork shoulder that I'm preparing myself, cowboy beans, and roasted potato and carrots. Now, you tell me where you can go do all that for $550. So I try to make this have so much value that the only reason you don't come is you don't have the time or you just don't have the money. And then I think the biggest value though is being with these people. So I'm hoping that we continue a trend that we've had, which is I'll say how many people are here for the first time and like half the hands go up and how many people have been here more than three times and like the other half of the hands go up. Because I think that is, uh, and, and Nicole saying it thought she thought it'd be 600. It might be, I got to run the numbers on the spreadsheet. We're doing some things this year that have helped us do more for less dollars. Uh, I may share some of that stuff on Thursday with how you can do it for yourself. Um, but, yeah, I mean, inflation is a bitch, right? But I, I'm going to do my best to keep that 550 price. And But my big thing is if you come to my event, if you go up to what Nicole's doing in Camden, if you go to any of these events, the biggest value is the people around you. If you don't live with three or four or five or more, 
contacts that you stay in touch with, new people that are now part of your life that weren't before, you're, you're missing the biggest value. And, and I'm hoping that this one will be the best one we've ever done. And we've made some technical changes, too. Uh, we had some issues with the network and all, because I will be streaming all of the presentations live. Now, things that are done in the field, the hands-on and all, it's too complicated. But all of my on-stage presentations will be live streamed. We've put in a mesh network through the whole property now. Um, should be great. But please consider coming. Uh, if you like the show and the work that I do, guys, I really would like you to remember one of the ways you can support us is do your online shopping at tspaz.com. And since we're kind of talking here at the end about a lot of things involved growing your own food, I'm bringing this item back around again. The special deal on it's over, but it's still a great price. These are these galvanized metal raised garden beds, two feet deep, four feet wide, eight feet long. Um, just fantastic. They basically are a stock tank without a bottom that you have to bolt together. That's how they're able to ship them. 150 bucks. I defy you to run the numbers on high-quality screws and some uh, some lumber for your verticals and, like, two-by-sixes and build a two-foot-deep wooden raised bed for 150 bucks right now with lumber prices. Hell, a foot deep. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure you could do it. I'm not sure you could do it. It used to be real cheap. Now it's real expensive because of this, and this will last. This is never going to rot. This is never going to go bad. Uh, again, every time this is, like, one of the only items in the T-SPAS catalog that I don't actually own, but I've had enough people buy it and report back to me to be completely confident in continuing to recommend it. I keep trying to figure out where I can justify. I put in so many gardens already, I don't need any more. I just think they're cool as shit, and I'd like to have some. So anyway, please uh, consider coming, and if you don't come, make sure you stay stay tuned to it and take part in the live streams. We have a great time. It, it's I'm going to be honest with you. We do not charge for their live stream. Right. We give the live stream away for free in the past. I did it where only MSB members could get it or whatever. And then, you know, I thought about charging for it. And that's another thing to do while I'm trying to run a workshop. And deal, then you're dealing with people who paid for it. And if you get a bad connection for a minute, they're pissed or whatever. Um, it just works out that using the same tech I'm using right now, StreamYard. In fact, we even use the same camera I'm using right now and having Hatch here to do all the AV. It's just easier for us to make it available. And it is archived, and you can watch. You can go watch last year's right now if you want to. It's a little different. You know, it's a little different being part of the live stream. It's the closest you can get to being there. So make sure you realize that's going on. And, uh, again, real quick, if you want to help support the show and the work that we do, two ways to do that. One, like I said, you can start your online shopping at T-SPAS. The other is become a member of the MSB. And uh, I really would appreciate that. If, you, if you're if you not a member yet, you consider doing it. Use the discounts, get your money back, and what have you. Again, guys, thank you for tuning in today. And I, like, we did have some people drop off when I started talking about the event. Like, I ain't going, so it doesn't matter. Um, but there's still a lot of people here. Thank you for, for sitting through that and listening to what we're going to be doing. I think that uh, if you give us a shot, you know, and l- let me, I know, again, ah, it's just marketing. I don't need to hard sell this. I don't need to. Every year, same day it goes live to, to buy tickets, it's sold out. And especially we had built up to 65 when we cut it back to 50. I mean, it sells out like that. I put the effort into pre-promo for the person that hasn't been here. If you've been here, you know. It's I believe that by constantly bringing new people into the mix, we continue to expand the network effect that happens after the event. 
It's also a week earlier this year. I hear from people every year, damn it, Jack, it's right in the middle of hunting season or the opening day or whatever. This year, it's November 1 to 5. So those of you that have sent me all those emails bitching about it all over the years, please come hang out. With that, guys, I'll catch you tomorrow with another episode. Are they going to bail you out or just run you around? They said you should have a house the American way. Dollar down, a dollar a month, and you never have to pay. Show you a better way